Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The Eucalyptus Fiber Upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S.com, code SUPER24. You're listening to Just Another Fanboy Presents the Death of Superman, and this is episode number 16, Supergirl and Team Luther. Hello and welcome to Just Another Fanboy Presents. I'm your host, my name is Steven, and look at this, we're back! That's pretty amazing, right? Isn't it? No? Uh, okay. Uh, anyway, today we roll into week 16 of the epic crossover event, The Death and Return of Superman, with the one-shot special, Supergirl and Team Luther. This issue hit the stands 30 years ago this week, on March 9th, 1993, it had a cover price of $2.50, and it is a 64-page giant that has two stories in it, the main story and the backup. So how about we just stop messing around and we'll just get into this main story. How does that sound? Sound good? Does it sound, sound good? No? Wow. Just can't please anybody today. Anyway, the first story is called Future of Metropolis. It was written by Roger Stern with pencils by June Brigman. The inks by Jackson Geis and Dennis Janke. Letters by Albert de Guzman. And the colorist was Glenn Whitmore. Here, my friends, is what happened in this story. Lex Luthor presents a promotional message about Supergirl and her work with Team Luthor to the Metropolis City Council. In the wake of the death of Superman, street crime and vigilante justice have increased. Luther proposes that Team Luther contracts with the city and are granted official police powers. Meanwhile, Supergirl rescues survivors from the rubble of collapsed buildings and discusses her feelings about Superman's death with Lois Lane. At Star Labs, a visitor is taken on a tour of the cybernetics department by Dr. Faulkner, but he turns out to be an imposter. He attacks her and contacts his confederates to come to the lab. Lex leaves the city council meeting in body armor so that he can personally respond to the attack on Star Labs. Team Luther successfully repels the attackers, but Lex is injured in the process, breaking his leg. Back at LexCorp, Lex reveals to Gretchen Kelly that he manipulated the terrorists into attacking Star Labs in order to make Team Luther look good. In the meantime, Lex Corps director George Markham returns home muttering about his resentments of Lex Luthor and is confronted by the Helgramite. Markham confirms that he is still willing to pay the Helgramite to assassinate Luthor despite an earlier failure. Lex Luthor steps forward 
having recorded the interaction and Markham's confession. In private, the Helgramite is revealed to be a shape-shifted Supergirl. So let's look through this issue. We'll start with the the cover, which is, uh, eh, there's really not a lot to say. It's uh, Supergirl with Lex Luthor and Team Luthor, and they are looking very, I don't know, I don't want to say patriotic, but they're standing in attention, chests thrust forward. And we have a little headline down at the bottom that says, the future is now. When we get into the issue, there's really not a lot I want to say about it. Um, You know, I remember talking before about how I felt that the funeral for a friend portion of the death and return of Superman event, that my memory from the last time I read this was that the uh, funeral for a friend segment or chapter or arc or whatever you want to call it just wasn't very good. It was a slog and it bored the crap out of me. And then, of course, I started reading it again and recording my feelings and thoughts and, and all that junk here for the, this podcast and found that I was quite enjoying Funeral for a Friend. And then I kind of remember what it was that made my opinion such as it was, I guess, back then. And it's this issue as well as the previous one we talked about a couple of weeks back, The Legacy of Superman. These just aren't, they're not great. I guess I can kind of understand the point of what they're trying to do here with this issue. And that's, you know, they're they're reminding us that Superman is gone. And really all that's left to take his place is Supergirl, who is an adequate replacement. She's just not as powerful, apparently, as Superman. And then you've got Lex Luthor and his team Luthor. This also seems to cement the fact that despite everything that Lex constantly says about how the reason he doesn't like Superman is because he's an alien and he is this all powerful alien and you can't trust him and you just never know when he might snap and take out the human race and blah, 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 and all that crap. It really comes down to the fact that Lex Luthor wants to be the center of attention. He wants people looking at him. And here he has this opportunity to be Metropolis's new Superman by donning body armor and being a part of Team Luther. And then his first time out, everything kind of goes wrong. And, and honestly, if I was Lex, whoever designed his body armor, I would fire them immediately. His body armor is the ugliest bit of body armor I have ever seen. It's, you know, a full, it's like Iron Man armor, basically, except uh, uglier. It's white. I guess it's supposed to be silver, maybe silver and gold, silver and gold, silver and gold. Seems all he thinks about is silver and gold, silver and gold, silver and gold. And then there's these two LLs on the front. Lex Luthor in a uh, in blue and the helmet is just way big and it's got this big giant piece of glass in the front so that you can see not only Lex's entire face but his entire head. I mean, there's enough room in this helmet to fit his head and then maybe a ham on either side of him, you know. It's just it's really it's it's not a good-looking suit. And we of course learn that there's these terrorists of some sort that take over star labs they're there because there's also there's there's body armor there as well again incredibly ugly body armor i don't know what it is about d 
DC Comics at this time uh, designing body armor, um, but they're they're horrible at it. These these iron suits, these freaking armored suits of the terrorists are incredibly ugly. And the guys that come in and take over Star Labs are there to get their suits back. And again, we learned that Lex Luthor set this whole thing up so that he and Team Luthor could go in and kick some tail and become the 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 freaking heroes of the day. And hopefully the city council will see that and go, yay, Team Luthor, Lex Luthor, you guys are the best. And there's even moments as Team Luthor with Lex and Supergirl are battling these armored foes that Lex is thinking to himself that this is awesome. You know, doing this is, I think he calls it a rush and wonders if that's why Superman did this. Not because he felt like he should take care of people, that he has this great power and therefore has this great responsibility. No, Lex wonders if Superman played the hero because it was a rush and that that you know that clearly defines the difference between Lex Luthor and Superman. But there's a point here as they're winning that they get kind of cocky and the bad guys shoot some missiles at Team Luthor and Team Luthor catches the missiles and throw them back at the bad guys and then they explode taking out the bad guys and they're all like yay we rock we're awesome and then the ceiling collapses on top of Lex Supergirl and Dr. Markham. Supergirl. Hey folks. Um, I do hate to break in like this, but I would be remiss if I didn't point out that I made a mistake there. I said, Dr. Markham when I meant Dr. Faulkner. Again, the ceiling collapses on Lex, Supergirl and Dr. Faulkner, not Dr. Markham. Thank you. Supergirl has to, of course, protect Dr. Markham, which means that, uh, <clears throat> once again, Supergirl has to protect Dr. Faulkner, not Dr. Markham. Thank you. Which means that Luther, despite the fact that he's wearing this cybernetic body armor, is unprotected, and he ends up breaking his leg. But it provides Lex with the opportunity to float around in a futuristic hover chair, which is pretty cool. It's uh, I guess this is the one time that DC, their 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 design department or the artist, I guess, you know, a lot of times you see these uh, futuristic wheelchairs, basically, that are just way too big and cumbersome. Professor X's from the 90s comes to mind. I mean, I just don't understand his giant floating chair that did not seem practical at all and uh this one is a bit more compact so it it you know it would allow lex to go in and out of regular size doorways which is always a plus with this kind of stuff we also kind of learn here or at least this issue kind of cements home for me it kind of puts the old nail in the coffin that lex luther doesn't really have any feelings for supergirl other than maybe lustful, he uh, is with her primarily because he likes the fact that he has a superhero that he can control. There's a really creepy moment where Lex is feeling all depressed and down because his leg was broken and Supergirl's trying to cheer him up. And because she's a shapeshifter, she first changes her shape to be that of Lucille Ball. 
and then Princess Leia. And then I don't know who this third person is supposed to be, but why Lucille Ball was her first choice, I don't know, because that's, I don't know. I don't know if uh, it's meant to be sexy because Lucille Ball, I'm sorry, is not sexy. I mean, that's my opinion. Others may think differently. Maybe a, a, a much younger Lucille Ball that I re- than, than from what I remember. But I don't know. I found it kind of creepy, especially since the last person she changes into after whoever this, I don't know who this third person is, this third woman. But the fourth person that she changes into is this, uh, I guess it's Dr. Kelly, who is the one that is posing as Lex's or Alex, Lex Luthor II, as his mom. We've talked about it before that but before this event, Lex Luthor faked his death in a plane crash, I believe, because his the, the kryptonite ring he had been wearing to fend off Superman was giving him cancer. And so he faked his death and he had his brain implanted into a young cloned body. And he comes back saying that he is the estranged son of Lex Luthor who grew up in in Australia. And this Dr. Kelly is his mom. So why Supergirl would change into his mother figure? I mean, I guess she she because she kind of says, well, maybe you'll listen to your mother. Shape up, Lex. You've had a little setback, but that's no reason to sit there and cry in your beer. And Lex at that point is finally, he's like, oh, hey. And he he looks up at her and he's thinking to himself, you adorable little shapeshifter. And you almost feel like, well, maybe he does have feelings for her. But I, he makes it fairly clear later in the issue that it's just all about having a superhero that he can control, his own pet superhero, basically. And so he leaves. He's feeling good. He's feeling he's feeling pumped and Supergirl then leaves and she's walking through this LexCorp facility, still in the shape of Dr. Kelly. And she runs across two women who are telling blonde jokes. And it just makes Supergirl all kinds of angry because uh, poor little shape-shifting, beautiful blonde white girl uh, is feeling, I don't know, oppressed, whatever. She's a freaking superhero. She can look like whoever she wants to. And she chooses to look like a beautiful blonde white girl. So get over yourself, lady. And so Lex goes into a board meeting and he tells all his people that he wants to um, do something to make sure that they profit from Superman's death. And for example, one of the one of the things he wants to do is their entertainment division he wants more comedies to come from the entertainment division because he wants to make the public smile again and he tells all his people that he wants a uh report and ideas on his desk in seven days and one of these guys markham is hey i don't know that we can do that mr luther that seems kind of insane seven days and lex is like hey you're gonna do it because i'm the boss and then he leaves and this guy's like damn that young punk was bad enough taking abuse like this from his old man. But what more can I do? He knows too much about my indiscretions. Why couldn't he have broken his neck? So this guy obviously is not a fan of the young Lex. We also find that Lex has a mole inside of Cadmus, who tells Lex all about what happened in Legacy of Superman, where director Westfield had made this cybernetic clone of Guardian called Auron, and that they had successfully mapped Superman's DNA, but Auron took it 
and destroyed it and then flew off into space for no real reason whatsoever. And Lex is fairly happy about that. He he's he's happy knowing that there will never be another Superman and uh, offers to buy the mole uh, some dinner. It's pretty nice because he can't go to dinner with him because that would seem weird. But he's going to give him a nice dinner before he goes back to Cadmus. There's a bit where we see Team Luther practicing in what is basically a big danger room within LexCorp and Lex and Happerson are up in this control booth watching it happen. And one of the guys in Team Luther is not paying a lot of attention. And this machine uh, uh, grabs a hold of him and he's about to be sucked into this big bit of gears that will grind him to dust. And that's when Supergirl shows up and and uh, destroys the machine and saves the guy's life. And then the rest of Team Luther are like, yay, Supergirl, you're the best. We are now extremely loyal to you. And the whole time, Lex and Haverson are just up there watching it. They were going to let this dude die. And then Markham, who, again, we learned does not like Lex, he goes home and he is uh, narrating to himself inside his head. We learned that at some point in the past, he hired this weird freaking lizard lobster alien looking creature called the Helgramite. I, I I'm assume I'm pronouncing that correctly, who was at Star Labs when the terrorists uh, attacked how the Helgramite was in some kind of cell. But we learned that Markham had hired the Helgramite to kill young Lex Luthor. And uh, he comes home to find the Helgramite there and the Helgramite's going to kill him. But he says, you know, I you still owe me money. Do you still want me to kill Lex? And he's like, yes, I want you to kill Lex. And he's like, good, then that's what I'm going to do. And then we find out that it's not really the Helgramite. Lex is there on some crutches with two members of Team Luther and a video camera. And he's basically like, ha ha, gotcha. I knew you were the one that hired the Helgramite to kill me. And now I got proof and some police come and, and take Markham away. And then Lex gets in the back of a van where the Helgramite is chilling. And we learn that the Helgramite is just Supergirl who was using her shape-shifting powers. But we also learn that her shape-shifting powers do seem to have a limit. Holding this kind of form with a tail and antenna and, and, and all that is, is a little bit too much for her. And it's, it's very painful. And uh, that's kind of the end of, of that story. So. It was all right, I guess. Uh, it just, it didn't really, for me, do anything to move the 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 event, the story of the event. It didn't, for me, it didn't really move it forward in any way. Didn't really add anything new for me. So, eh, I, I don't think it was necessary, frankly. It was just a filler because, again, DC is, has taken like eight weeks, almost two months off, two months or more off between the the last issue from the event, which was Superman number 77, all the way back in January. And we don't get a new issue until Adventures of Superman number 500 in April. I just, I think that's a little bit crazy. And, and all we get during all those weeks off are the legacy of Superman and Supergirl and Team Luther. And both of those issues were not all that great. And then to make I guess matters a bit worse. We get a backup story in this issue. It's called Shelter. It was written by Louise Simonson, art by Dennis Rodier, letters by Albert de Guzman, and the colorist was Glenn Whitmore. And uh, here's the synopsis. In the midst of a blizzard, the underworlders decide to seek refuge at a new shelter sponsored by LexCorp. 
Once inside, they are attacked by others who fear their appearance, leading to a gunfight and a fire accidentally being set. Supergirl arrives on the scene and stops the fight. The Underworlders conclude they are not welcome on the surface world and leave the shelter. Supergirl returns to LexCorp, where she describes the incident to Lex Luthor and expresses pity for the Underworlders. Lex then vows that he will find out everything he can about the Underworlders. Both of those synopses from the main story and the backup story were taken from dcfandom.com. Um, you know, the less said about this backup story, the better. It uh, was written by, you know, my favorite of the writers so far of the uh, Death of Superman event, Louise Simonson. But again, it's it it doesn't really add anything to the event. The Underworlders are trying to make a home for themselves after their tunnels were flooded in a previous issue, and it's 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 become the winter time, and they are freezing underground wherever they can find their some shelter in you know abandoned subway tunnels and whatnot. And uh, one of them learns that LexCorp has built these shelters for homeless people, and a few of them decide to go up to the surface and check it out. And because they uh, look different, some of the the homeless people start a fight with them. And the fight escalates and a fire is started and Supergirl shows up and puts the fire out. And the Underworlders are basically, ah, see, nobody on the surface world will accept us and they they leave. Um, and then we get this moment right at the very end where Supergirl is telling Lex, they looked so helpless and so sad. They said they were going back to Underworld. How far do you think Underworld reaches, Lex? How many monsters with powers are down there? And she's she's like uh clinging to him with her head on his chest like he's just this big tough protector man and she's just a dainty little girl and which i think is just a a stupid thing to see and and lex says i don't know love but i promise you in my horrible accent as sure as my name's lex luther i'm gonna find out and that's how it ends and he appears to be wearing a fur coat out during the middle of a blizzard which seems i don't know Seems like that would get wet and then get very heavy. But there's really not much else I want to say about this issue. It wasn't great. It was a filler. And I wish we could just get back to the event already. I don't I don't remember what it felt like back then to have to wait this long for the Adventures of Superman number 500. Because again, that was 30 years ago. It's, it's, it's difficult enough for me to remember what was happening to me a week ago, much less 30 years ago. But for me, currently, it just seems like forever ago that we were talking about Superman number 77. I mean, it was over a month, I guess, two months, I don't know, a month. Now my, my, all set, my, my, my entire sense of calendar chronology is, is, uh, is off. Um, yeah, like I said, January 19th to March 9th, two months. Just crazy. It's crazy. I'm crazy for feeling so lonely. So originally I had said that next week we were going to look at News Time number one, which is a a magazine that DC produced that was uh, basically the same magazine that was supposed to have hit the stands within the DC universe that was a, a Superman tribute issue. but. I've looked through it and I really honestly can't figure out how I want to talk about it. So we're just going to skip that. And we uh, like DC Comics. We'll take the next four weeks off and come back 
um, in April, since they did not release anything until April 13th of 1993 for The Adventures of Superman number 500. That's where we will come back. April 13th, The Adventures of Superman number 500. And then guess what happens after that? DC takes another week off. (laughs) So, yeah. Maybe I shouldn't have done this as they were being released 30 years ago because I feel like there's this giant dead space right in the middle of my podcast and people are fleeing like rats on a sinking ship. Not that, not that you guys are rats. I love you. Come on. That was a, that was a poor metaphor, but that's, that's what I chose. That's what we're doing. And frankly, it's kind of helped me out to uh, work on other stuff. Speaking of which next week, I have a new Superman themed podcast coming out. It's actually going to be part of the Superman super show. You'll find it over there on the Superman super show feed. It'll also be on the, the Steven or else feed, but it's, it's called Superman or else. And I am going to start with the first of the post-crisis Superman comics, Man of Steel, number one. And I'm just going to start reading post-crisis Superman and talking about them on the show one episode at a time. The, the, the whole reason I made it uh, to be part of the Superman Super Show as, a, you know, kind of like special episode that's going to be on that feed is, is because then I won't feel any pressure to ensure that I have to release episodes each and every week because you're all already going to get a Superman Super Show episode every week. And so the plan right now is to kind of alternate every two weeks between Superman or else and Hither Came Conan, my new Conan podcast, conan.stevenorelse.com. So uh, it doesn't quite work out that way when the first episode of Superman or else launches, but that's kind of the plan at this point is to try to alternate. So one week you'll get uh, Superman or else on a Friday. And then the next week you'll get Hither Came Conan on a Friday and back and forth and all that and bippity boppity boo. But that's the plan. That's what's going on, folks. That's where we're at. I'll see you back here on April 13th, where again, we're going to be talking about the adventures of Superman number 500. And we're going to find out what's going on with Clark. I mean, he's dead, but is he really dead? We'll find out. Bye. I'm going to drink water here. It was quite tasty. Check, check, check. Checking for the levels. Making sure that my mic works properly. <clears throat> All right, everything seems to be the way it's supposed to be. So let's make a podcast. Let's make magic, people. Let's do it. Let's make some magic. Here we go. Magic time. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.